What up, what up? Jimmy Murray here with Frank Petalano, and we are the Cashflow Kings. The Cashflow Kings podcast discusses money, finance, mindset, and investing with an emphasis on cash flowing real estate. Thanks for joining the Cashflow Kings, and welcome to episode 20 with Antoine Martel. I'm Frank Petalano, and I'm here with Jimmy Murray to help you crush your goals in real estate. So guys, we have a really interesting real estate personality that we've brought on. We've connected with Antoine through social media and he happened through his own investing into a turnkey real estate investment company. And we think that's really cool because from his home base in California, he's been able to leverage his skills to invest across the country. And that's what we're looking forward to sharing with you guys today. So Antoine, welcome. Awesome, thanks for having me on the show guys. Absolutely. Thanks for, thanks for dialing in. So would you mind just kind of diving in, giving us a little bit of background and then um, we'll ask a couple of questions along the way of how you get started. Yeah, absolutely. So I started investing in real estate about five years ago. Um, my brother actually dragged me and my dad to like a real estate investing seminar. They taught us nice. about flipping houses um, and all that kind of stuff. And we were you know, really amused by it. Nobody in my family had ever really invested in real estate or anything like that. So don't come from a real estate background or anything. Um, did you guys have to pay for that conference kind of upfront or the seminar upfront? Yeah, I think it was just like $300 for like a weekend kind of seminar. So it wasn't that, wasn't that expensive, but we learned a lot and learned how people were really leveraging, you know, hard money lenders and other people's money to invest in flip houses, especially in California. So old are you now, Antoine? Uh, 24. Awesome. Yep. So I was about like 19 years old when I went to that, that conference and learned a ton. And then I was like, all right, I need to start flipping houses in California. This is so much fun, et cetera. And I really wanted to do it. And I knew that I, you know, was a hard worker and I could figure it out. It was just going to take some time. So what I started doing was me, my dad and my, my brother really started just trying to figure it out in California. You know, we tried flipping houses in California for probably like six months and you know, realized we didn't get anywhere because we didn't have any money in the bank. We didn't know anybody either. So finding houses and building relationships with 40 grand in the bank was really hard um, to flip houses in California. And we were looking at the numbers at the end of the day, after you pay hard money, the realtor, um, you know, and and the other person's money where they're getting like, you know, percentage of the profit or getting financing as well. Then it was just really expensive. So after about two years, um, we started looking out of state just because that's when we realized that that's where our money would go the furthest. So the $40,000 that we had, I started doing research on different markets about where the hell could you buy a house for 40,000 bucks? Um, (laughs) So is that, so is that like the Google search up front of like, where can I buy a house? <laughs> exactly. You go on Zillow, you go on Zillow and you do prices less than 40,000 bucks. And then you zoom out on the map and figure out what's, what markets pop up. And then you start zooming in and you're like, Oh, do I like this place? And then, so start- is that really how you guys started? Because that's awesome. <laughs> it, it really is. I mean, I, nice. what I did is nice. it was similar. To, it was similar to that. So what I did actually was I went to, uh, I wrote down like the top 250 markets with, populations over 200,000 people or something like that. Okay. And then I started going line by line on each market, just in like an Excel spreadsheet. And then I would go in Zillow and I would type Zillow comma Memphis, Tennessee median house price. And it would bring up this uh, kind of unique page in Zillow. That's, I don't know, hard to get to, I guess. I I don't really know how to get through there on the Zillow website. I just know how to get through it on Google. And it comes up with this data and historical data about that market. 
And one of those pieces of data is the median rents over the last like 10 years and then the median um, sale price or purchase price for all properties in that market. And so, so what I did is I just went through all 250 and I was like, okay, whatever one has the lowest, you know, the best price to rent ratio, but then also the lowest purchase price is a market that I'm going to be able to afford, quote unquote. Got it. So I know the running joke and you see the meme all the time that the A in Zillow stands for accuracy. Um, <laughs> it, it sounds, it sounds like you really take those numbers for gospel and, it, and it's worked out for you. Yeah. I mean, the Zestimate is complete BS, but just they have a lot of data, right? So imagine how many transactions they're tracking through there every single day. Um, so they do have a lot of data um, on the sales price, but the Zestimate and, you know, the quality of the interior, it's just not something a system can really do. So, you know, for them to, to tell you that your house is worth 250 grand when it, you know, doesn't even have a roof on it because the Zestimate said <laughs> it, uh, it doesn't really make sense. So so you're looking for the hard and fast data of the deals that I've cleared. Yeah, 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 exactly. And then if it, you know, if you're looking at, you know, thousands of transactions every single month for a market, it's going to be pretty accurate data about just median across the board, you know, very blanket numbers. It's very easy to, to look at it. And I think that Zillow is, is great for those kinds of things, but yeah, for really, for telling me what a house is worth. I mean, there's nobody can do that except for, except for a person right now until a, until a system can read photos and look at photos and right. stuff like that, you know? Yeah. It would have to be really good too. I mean, it would have to be able to tell the difference between different types of materials that are using on the wall mm -hmm. and the floors and everything else. So yep. I agree. I don't see that coming anytime soon. Let me ask two quick questions. Uh, the first one is, uh, is your brother older or younger than you? He's younger. He's a year and a half younger. Gotcha. Now, did you or your brother, uh, ha or even your dad have any experience in real estate prior to you guys getting started? Nope. None. That's awesome. What, is your, what did your dad do full-time? So my dad's a project management consultant, but for like software implementation. So nothing real estate related. So um, that background is applicable. I spent yeah. a little bit, probably not the same scale, but when I came out of college, I spent a little bit of time in something similar. Yeah. Um, but in terms of being able to manage people kind of yeah. remotely, I think that that's where his skills probably were leveraged greatly in what you were able to set up. Yeah. And also now that we're doing the apartment buildings and stuff like that, I mean, it's, we're using like a project management software to kind of track all the, con cause you have to do, you know, do X before Y and Y before Z and Z before T, you know? So it's like, you have to do all these certain things in order. Um, because for example, you don't want to do new landscaping. If you're going to repaint the entire building, you want to do landscaping after. Right. right. So, um, right. those, that software, knowledge but also the project management knowledge yeah is coming into play now once we're getting into these larger projects but for the single family homes the way that we set it up for the project management side is I actually set up a project manager person on the ground and they would kind of manage all of the projects for us all the contractors for us so that me thousands of miles away i didn't have to go to my dad to help manage stuff it was just somebody on the ground that already had a relationship with these broke, these contractors uh, would kind of manage those projects for us. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. So tell us about that first Memphis deal that you did. Sure. Sure. So that, that Memphis deal, it was probably, so I was um, a senior in college, my last semester, I didn't want to graduate and go and start applying for jobs, working for other people. I wanted to have my own company. I've always been an entrepreneur at heart um, ever since I was eight years old. And, I 
started doing all this research, like I told you about the out-of-state markets, and Memphis was number one on that list with the lowest purchase price, the highest rents, and then I started doing more and more research about it, like the the economy there, so population growth, job growth, who are the major employers, or some unique facts, like the Memphis International Airport's the second largest cargo airport in the world um, because FedEx headquarters is there. So imagine how many jobs and people are, you know, either staying there for work or working there constantly, either packing planes or or doing whatever they need to to, to get all that stuff on the planes. <laughs> right, is a uh, it's crazy. I'm going to Memphis tonight, and when you land, half of the airports for you know normal tourists or visitors and the other half they have a whole another airport for just fedex and there's you That's look awesome. down and there's hundreds of fedex planes taken off or being you know being boarded up ready to ready what's to, the name of it the airport um it's memphis international airport i'm just thinking it should be the fedex international Airport. <laughs> <laughs> right. yeah. for real yeah so it's so those kinds of things are what i look for and then i was like okay this place is great uh as a whole this market is great as a whole the median purchase price etc it's in with, within my budget and now i just need to find a neighborhood within that budget that's gonna um that's gonna cash flow nicely that hopefully is close to the memphis international airport and that's exactly what i found so i found a little suburb little zip code that was close to the airport that had good rents, low crime, um, and was also close to downtown. And I was like, all right, this is great. Now all I need to do is find a house and find, you know, start building my team. So I'm going to need a contractor, property manager, realtor. And for me, first starting, I was like, all right, I need to just find a realtor because I need to find houses. Once I find a house, I can figure out the rest of the crap later, but I need a house. so People know I'm, um, you know, serious, et cetera. So, right. Right. started calling realtors. My last, I moved all my classes at university to from five to 10 PM throughout the whole day. I was just calling realtors and trying to figure this thing out. And probably after calling 200 realtors, I, you know, whether it was just going on Zillow and typing up, you know, Memphis, Tennessee, and just cold calling realtors like that, or going through new listings that would come up. I finally found a house in my zip code that I liked. Um, that needed a tiny little bit of rehab work. I think it was listed for 40 grand. Um, so within my budget, plus a little bit of renovation. And then, you know, it was probably worth like 60, 65,000 bucks after. So I was nice. like, all right, this is perfect. Called it. I said, Hey, I'm a real estate investor from California. I want to buy this. Yeah, I saw your listing. I was wondering how much renovation it needs, you know, in order to get it rented out. That's what my goal is. And he was like, Oh, it's going to be around 4,500 bucks. I have a contractor ready to go. And I was like, what does it need? He, you know, line by line, kind of what the house needed. I was like, holy crap. After calling 200 realtors, this was like, you know, a slam dunk because all the other realtors had no idea what, you know, what a new carpet would cost or what cleaning a carpet would cost or what new shutters, you know, they had no idea. And, um, and most don't candidly, right? Nope. No, I just, would say like 99. Plus, yeah, yeah. It's just like plus one transaction realtors. That's what um, yep. my partner and I joke about all the time. Yeah, just get to the crazy. closing table and don't care about the rest. Yep. So. Yeah, I know. And, and even, and I was calling top brokers too. Cause I was like, I want somebody who has, you know, you know, rapport in the, in the market and, you know, has a team behind them, et cetera. I was calling top realtors and they were, some people literally hung, picked up the phone. Hey, I'm a real estate investor from California. I want to buy a house in Memphis. Word for word, why the hell would you want to invest right now? We've been up for nine years. This is a horrible time to invest. <laughs> I'm like, all right, buddy. I uh, don't think this is going to work out. Have a good one. Um, right. So that's what happened, that, that that phone call 200 calls later. And 
I was like, okay, great. Do you have somebody who can manage the property after? Yeah, my buddy owns a property management company. All right, terrific. Uh, what price do you think you can get the, you know, what do you think you can get the price down to in order to make this, this deal work? I think it's worth 60 grand after. He's like, actually, it's worth 65 and here's some comps. And I was like, holy crap, this guy's, you know, really knows, knows what he's doing and knows the market and knows his property well. So we made an offer on that property because the numbers made sense. He helped us with the numbers. He referred over a contractor. He managed the contractor for us. And then he referred us over to the property management company and everything went crystal clear, smooth, uh, you know, very, very easy to work with. Um, and everything went perfectly according to plan. So That's amazing. after that happened, then we went to a local credit union, asked them for a loan. Once the thing was, you know, fully renovated and rented out, asked them for a loan. Um, to refinance, do a cash out refinance, pretty much like the Burr strategy here today, and gave us all you know praise for sixty, sixty five thousand bucks cash out refinance, got all our money back, and then you know I called back the realtor. I said, hey, we just did a refinance, we're ready to go again. We want to nice. buy more. And so what ended up happening was graduated in May. By December of that same year, I probably had ten single family homes in Memphis, um, all with loans uh, on them, and we were cash flowing nicely, and kind of from there, people started reaching out to my family to invest in real estate out of state. That's um, awesome. And we started just selling properties out of that portfolio, which gave us more cash to go and buy more properties and then slowly, you know, help our grow portfolio grow. And then also help, you know, new families invest in real estate, you know, because now we gave them the opportunity and everything was, you know, turnkey ready to go for them. So that's how the, the turnkey company kind of flourished out of just us, us trying to build our own portfolio at a state. That's amazing. An amazing entrepreneurial story. I'm going to circle back on one point that you made. You said you, you're working to leverage the Burr method. And once you guys stabilized the asset, you went to a local credit union. Now, what was your thought process behind that in, in terms of why you're reaching out to a local credit union versus maybe a mortgage broker or someone local to where you were in California, I think at the time? Yep. So this was after calling probably 50 banks. Uh, every single bank in Memphis, every big, small lender you can think of, I called them. And yep. the issue with me and my dad's financial situation was that my dad uh, was pretty much a consultant, but he was on a 1099. So, Got it. It but he was running everything through his company. So it was like Martel Enterprises was, you know, the consulting company that he worked for. And okay. he didn't pay himself because he didn't want to pay the taxes. So, <laughs> Fair enough. So then his, you know, it, his tax returns the last 30 years have been negative or not making any money. So yep. him going and getting a loan, impossible. Me, college student with uh, 2000 bucks in my bank account, not going to get a loan. Yep. Um, and, you know, brand new credit score, whatever. <laughs> I had a you know, credit card for a year and a half or something. Yep. Um, so th that's what the issue was. So we needed like an asset-based lender. So that means that all the people using Freddie Mac uh, I mean, Fannie Mae were not going to be able to finance us. Right, uh, right. They just said, no way in hell you're going to pass the, the Fannie Mae test. Um, and we said, okay, so I guess we have to go unconventional. So that was either pretty much credit unions or hard money or some other kind of gray area lender. So I called all the gray area lenders. And then the only person that would really lend to us that was kind of going to lend just based on the asset and the cash flow was this credit union. Okay. That wasn't going to charge us like 3% in points and you know, all this crazy stuff. Right. So because, right. because they were keeping it in their own portfolio. probably. Yep, exactly. And they were lending their own money out too. Yeah. So um, I was like, Hey, I'm going to keep coming back to you guys. You know, we're local. I can fly out there and meet up with you guys, et cetera. And 
um, you know, we're trying to improve the community. It's, you know, gave them kind of that pitch and, <laughs> and it worked and they, you know, they were able to lend us on that first deal and, um, you know, kept doing a lot of business with them. They ended up actually giving us a line of credit eventually to help us buy more properties and Sweet. stuff like that. But it was, it, and that's, it was a lot of work to get there though. I want to make that. Oh point. yeah. What, you know, like yeah. there was literally, I talked to 50 banks and I have another Excel spreadsheet with 50 banks about why no, you know, that's awesome. And, but you um, know what that, so you touched on exactly the reason why I asked that question. So we coach people all the time that you want to go out there and you want to look for a portfolio lender. They're going to be a lot more aggressive and they're going to lend based on the relationship or the, the belief that they have in you as the investor. Yeah. And that's going to set you up for levels more success. And the proof in your story there is related to when you just said that they actually give you a line of credit to go out and buy more properties. Yep. Because yep. now, now they have that solid bet in, in, your, t in your family to yep. continue to build their portfolio, but it's more of a, it's a safer risk essentially. Are you yeah. still using them today? Uh, yeah, we are. We still have a line of credit with them today. Um, they actually shut down the line of credit program, which kind of sucks, but we <laughs> still, we're still grandfathered into the, you know, we're paying it every month. I think that they, <laughs> they had some trouble with some other guys who weren't paying, but, um, so we're kind of grandfathered in there. We still use them today. Um, the agent, the, the real estate agent, you're still using them once in a while. Uh, Yep. Real estate agent, property management company, all the same. And so what, with the turnkey company too, we pass off all of our clients to that same property management company that was referred over to us at the very beginning. So talk to us a little bit, a little bit about the turnkey company and how, how, how you guys make money as a turnkey provider. Do you yeah, make sure. money kind of in perpetuity, similar to like a property manager for an oversee the relationship or is it just like a clean handoff? Great question. Clean handoff. I don't want to, be incentivized or paid from anybody else except for my own pocket. So Fair enough. what I mean by that is I, my business will buy properties, renovate them, rent them out, put a property management company in place and then sell them to my clients. My clients come buy them. We help them get financing insurance. We give them the third party property management company. We don't make any referral fees or fees for referring any of our clients. They can use whoever they want. So be it. Um, we would just highly recommend the people that we found on the ground. Um, and the only way that me, that we make money is just on the profit. So however much money I have in versus how much I sell it for. And we always sell our properties for their appraised value or less. So a lot of okay. other turnkey companies will just, you know, upcharge or have a turnkey fee outside of closing or do some weird stuff, whatever the, whatever the thing appraises for is the price you pay. Um, so if we didn't do our math right, then the, the client pretty much wins us over. Right. And so the appraised price is going to be from the bank that you guys would yep. have in place. Okay. Yep. Fair enough. And they could use their own lender too. It's just, we have a really good relationship and um, it's just a much smoother process if they do use our lender Yeah, because they sense. know us, they have everybody on my team's phone number and you know, we're texting all the time. So yep. the original so, property versus the, uh, the ones you're doing now on the turnkey side, were they, um, were they bought on MLS? The first ones? Yeah. The first, the first ones were all bought on that. Still 60% of my properties today are bought on MLS. That was my next question. <laughs> yeah. We still get a ton of MLS. We go through the, the new listings every single morning. Um, and we make offers on the ones that, that make sense and fit our box. Um, and then the other properties either come from pocket listings, just from being in the business for the last couple of years and having a relationship with all, a bunch of different agents. So pocket listings. And then the second one is uh, wholesalers as well. Um, we still get a lot of wholesale deals. They're a needle in a haystack to get a good one, but 
when they do, <laughs> they, they do come out really well. Yeah, that one that one rings really true in our, in our neighborhood as well. <laughs> I I fully understand that. Oh yeah. Um, so how do you ever fly into Memphis to kind of do a drive out of the properties? I know that you said you're flying in later tonight. Um, how what does that process look like? Yeah. So when for when I was just turnkey doing just a turnkey company and focusing 100 percent of my time on that, I didn't go and visit much because I had there was so much work to do here in Los Angeles, whether it was raising money to buy more projects or meeting with clients or getting my brand out there. There was a lot of marketing and branding that I had to do here in L.A. Okay. Um, and then kind of all the stuff on the ground, I just set up a team in place to manage all that stuff for me. Um, so that was kind of taken care of. I probably visited every six months, let's say. Okay. Um, now as my business has started to, you know, as I've started kind of a new company, which is the Martell invest side, which is just investing in rental pro in apartment buildings and raising money for apartment buildings, et cetera. Now I go there every time we get a new project under construction, we get to walk all the unit. Every time we get a new property under contract and we're in our due diligence, that's when I go fly out there and I walk all the units. Um, so I'm flying out there like every, probably once a month now, um, to go and walk new properties that we get under contract. And awesome. the bigger multis that you're buying, um, well, how, how are you structuring that? Are you guys owning it yourself completely? Are you doing joint ventures? Are you doing syndication? What are you doing? Yeah, good question. So the last, we bought two buildings so far and we're under contract for three more. The last two, we bought a 20 unit and 11 unit. We bought it with all our own money. Uh, we okay. signed on a loan, everything, all of our cash, uh, to kind of, I did it like that to build a foundation and build some case studies so that it would make raising money a hell of a lot easier. Um, and I would have to give away less for the deals in the future. So what I'm doing now for the deals that I have under contract is bringing in joint venture partners. So not syndication, just guys that I know that I've met over the years that have a hundred grand, 300 grand. They want to just partner up with me. I'll run the show, but they can invest and be part of the LLC that buys the property. So very little amount of paperwork. They're pretty much just part of that operating agreement of that LLC that's buying the property. We're signing on the loan, they're investing with us, and then we bring in one to two partners for every deal. Um, and they're kind of you know managing members with us uh, on those LLCs. And what do you, so what do you typically provide to those investors like as you work to build those relationships? Yeah, so, those relationships have been built over a long period of time. And many of those people have invested with us in the past, whether buying turnkey rentals from us, um, whether investing and lending us money to go and buy turnkey rentals or, you know, flipping houses with us, et cetera, splitting profits. Um, so a lot of these people have just been built up over the years and rapport has been built over the years. Um, but then when I'm going and pitching them, the apartment buildings, I pretty much make a whole pitch deck, like a 20 page pitch deck, 15 page pitch deck. Okay. Uh, and includes all the financials, uh, all the property information, um, location and neighborhood and new developments happening around it. Um, and then, of course, all the financials for the property and what we're expecting to make. And then the last slide is pretty much what we're looking for and um, how we're going to split up the deal and the, the legal aspects of it. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. So one of my questions uh, is that, as you know, social media usually just shows the positives of yeah. everything. Yeah. And uh, I know you're doing a good job. We've, we've done some research, everything else. But um, my big thing is, what's one? tell us the story about one failure you might have had. Sure. 
I never failed. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> so I'm sitting at my desk and I've got one of those coffee and motivation company coffee mugs on my desk and it says, yeah. I believe in myself like Kanye believes in Kanye. And that is the epitome of that statement. Right oh there. my God. So I, I love that. I, I'm with you. <laughs> <laughs> I never so, failed. I just learned, right? <laughs> it's a seminar, as Rod Cleveland says. There we yeah. go. Yeah, it's an expensive seminar. Yeah. So I mean, <laughs> there's been a couple of things that I would have not changed, but would have that were just mistakes. So one of the biggest things was just spreading myself too thin and expanding to too many markets too quickly. So uh, I was in Cleveland and Memphis and St. Louis, and then I was like, all right, I need another market. I need more deals. I didn't really need it. I just needed to find more deals in the markets I was already in. Right. But I was like, I need to go to Akron. Akron's great. It was on that Excel spreadsheet. It was the next city on that Excel spreadsheet that I made. And I was like, this seems like a great market. It's close to Cleveland, et cetera. Let me go build a team. Normally it would take me three months, six months to build the team and to find everybody and organize all of it. Right. But I built the Akron team in a weekend because I was the best person <laughs> on because I was Kanye West. Right. <laughs> and, um, um, without flying there, just with a couple of emails and text messages, I built my Akron team because I'm the best. And what I, then we bought a house, they started managing it. And then things just started unraveling. Contractors sucked. These people, property management company and project manager started changing their fees. They started oh. charging us trip fees to go out there, which is like 50 bucks, a hundred bucks a pop. They, <laughs> When the contractor did the bid, they forgot to look behind the curtains to check that the, all the windows needed to be replaced. Oh. Uh, the plumbing was out of what, you know, like everything that went wrong, stuff was stolen, et cetera. So everything that could have gone wrong went wrong. And, and that's fine. If, if stuff is stolen, the contractor makes a mistake, you, you filter out that contractor, they're never hired again, right? right? But then it was the property management company too that would just wasn't really working with us to make it a success. So normally we would work with the contractor. I mean the property manager and say, okay, this sucks for everybody. Um, but they'll compensate here. We'll compensate here. Let's just, uh, you know, tweak it a little bit, but they didn't want to work with us at all. It was just, no, we want our 50 bucks to drive out there and to hang out for the inspector. And it's like, sounds, sounds like a, a local property manager uh, <laughs> near, near us, Frank, we had something very similar where oh, really? they're stuck on that stuff. And they've been, not saying a word. They've been, bleeding, <laughs> they've been bleeding because of it. But, um, so I think that this is a really, really good point that you're trying to make here. So what do you think are kind of keys to having success with a property manager? working with them remotely yeah so it's all about building rapport with them and I mean it's very hard to that shit's gonna happen when you're investing out of state right so there's certain risks that you're taking extra risks that you're taking when you do invest out of state instead of investing locally um, so I knew something was bound to happen like this where I was gonna finally run into run into a bad team or run into somebody who was you know just a fee monster and all they wanted was fees um so i knew it was bound to happen and i think that the best way to go around that is to really just fully vet out those those property managers and i didn't you know just a weekend isn't enough time to do all that homework and to talk to past clients to look at certain properties they're done look at the contractor you know look at do that full due diligence, that full background check, quote unquote, on, on all those people on the ground. And that's kind of where, where I messed up. Whereas, you know, with the other property management companies and other markets, I would fly out there, shake hands, see their office, um, look at past work they've done, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And 
then I, you know, I just started changing. Oh, I'm, I can just do it all from the computer and I can just look at the photos online and la la la. And it just doesn't work like that. I think, you know, it is a people business at the end of the day. And, um, especially if you're working out of state, even if you just meet the person once that can change a direct trajectory of your relationship with, with that person just by, you know, shaking hands and having one dinner. Absolutely. Honestly, I'm with you a hundred percent. And, um, Antoine, I'm not sure if you're familiar, but, um, I run a property management company local to Rhode Island and I am always surprised when out of state clients with a phone call, hire me over the phone. Now I have confidence on our team at that level. Um, but as an out of state investor, I would ask more questions or try to fly in or try to meet in person, just (laughs) something that's higher touch. Um, but I do appreciate the confidence they have in my team when we land those contracts. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so. it's hard. I mean, I have the same thing with my, I mean, 99% of my clients never see the houses that we're selling them. Right. 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 You know, or they never meet me. And so it's really all about branding. And I think it's because my face is everywhere online. I mean, in my little world, but yep. you know, like I'm all, all over YouTube. People watch my content all the time. We're publishing blog posts every single week. You know, there's a, like a lot of information that, that's out there about us and, you know, good reviews and people talk as well. So referrals work, you know, if I get a good referral for somebody across the country, you know, I'm going to work and I do a little bit more due diligence about that referral and how it went down, then, you know, I'm going to hire that person on the spot. It's not, I don't need to go out there. And it's something, it's something very new to <laughs> us as a, you know, population is just, hiring people and spending all this money and wiring money, you know, 50, a hundred thousand dollars across the U S to do certain projects and buy real estate that you've never even seen before. It's, you know, it's kind of bonkers. It's, it's right? funny you say that because uh, in the last five months I've invested in five different deals and all in different markets. And yeah. my, ba- my banker always freaks out when I <laughs> send a wire of 50, 75, a hundred thousand dollars somewhere. It's like, yeah, they're like they want you want me to call on the spot to confirm everything right there. They're like, oh, you're not you're not sending it to somebody that you don't know, right? It's like, I, well, I do know these people, but I don't know these people. No, I yeah. do know these people. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I understand. I mean, because we have a lot of clients too who will want to lend us money, like you said, like invest in our multifamily projects, and everything will be good until they go and talk to their uh, attorney or talk to the Wells Fargo guy, and the guy at Wells Fargo is like you're doing what? And, yeah. You know, <laughs> let me see the paperwork and blah, blah, blah. And they're like, what? This is all he, this is all you have signed. Like, you know, it's, and the amount of deals that have back people that have backed out and called me from Wells Fargo is, you know, out of this world. Yeah, no, I believe that. Yeah. I believe that. No. So yeah, honestly, tons of great insight on this podcast. I, I thoroughly appreciate the process and, and how you broke it down. Right. So yeah. you started with, what you had, where you were. I think that's Mm -hmm. how the quote goes. Um, So from your dorm room, using Zillow to build the strategy. And I think that is absolutely amazing. And so many people invest so many more dollars into education or so many more hours into things rather than taking the action. So I I think one of the biggest takeaways is, you know, build the strategy, take the action. If you have to pivot or head in a different direction, the action is going to guide you and help you make that decision. 100%. 100%. And like, there's a lot of people now that are full-time, um, I call them full-time seminar uh, goers. Yeah. And, <laughs> yep. You know them too. Uh, we're talking about this this morning. Every damn weekend they're at a new seminar. I'm like, how the hell can you even implement any of this shit you're learning? There's no but way. Imagine if you took that capital and you used it oh to invest. I know. I know. 
or just went to one seminar and then try out for six months. And then if it doesn't work, then go to another, you know, like you can there try another seminar after. And but that's the you're, pivot. You're not yep. exactly, but always be pivot. Like I went through flipping houses in California. Doesn't work to my budget. Okay. Scratch it off the list after right. six months. And then I went to, okay, I'm going to wholesale. I talked to some biggest wholesalers. I was like, they're like, oh, we're spending 25 grand a month. Well, see you later, pal. So I started, <laughs> oh, yeah. didn't do that. <laughs> and then I was like, okay, I can, let me do Las Vegas. Let me do Nevada. They're in driving distance or, you know, Phoenix, Arizona. Yeah. Oh, prices are too high. Scratch it off. You know, but it was like a process to get to the out of state. I didn't just wake up one morning and, you know, exactly what you're saying. It's a lot of pivots, little pivots, but you know, it was always going to be real estate and I'm going to figure this out and I'm going to match my resources to the strategy that fits best. But I need to fully flesh out every single idea so that I know that I'm doing the right thing. And I'm going to have complete confidence that I chose the right path because I literally tried every other path um, before I landed on this out of state rental properties, single family homes, less than 50 grand. I love that. I absolutely love that. I, I, I sincerely admire your story and how you just put in the work to, to get out there and crush it. Yep. Thank you. I love the no excuses. You know, you just keep, keep pushing at it. Keep chugging. Yeah. And a lot of people, I, it took me two years to get my first, to buy that first house too. So there was a lot of little pivots in there. Every three, four months, uh, there was a pivot that we, you know, I changed the whole philosophy and changing everything we were doing to try something else. And, you know, there's a lot of learning that goes into every single one of those things, but um, you're not going to know until you start implementing and going to a new seminar every week. There's no way you're going to have to time to implement anything. So um, let's, let's ask a couple of the questions we always ask most of our uh, interviewees there. Cool. Uh, if someone uh, wants to become a better investor, what would you uh, recommend they do right now? Right now I would go write down on a piece of paper, all the resources you have. So how much time do you have? Uh, how much money do you have? How much experience do you have? And then who do you know? Those kinds of things. Oh my God. I, would... I got to pause you right there. Um, there's a bigger pockets post that we did a viral post. Uh -huh. and that's the exact four things I always talk about. No way. Is yeah. it really? Yeah. I call it the three stool approach where uh -huh. it's experience, time, and money. Yep. And then on the top is the networking. It's like the seat itself. Oh my God. No way. I, oh yeah, that's like incredible. 3,500 comments. Holy on that shit. one bigger pocket. It's like the biggest post that they've ever had. <laughs> wow. I mean, I, this is just for me. I, I, have, I don't think I even read that post, but I mean. You have to check it out. Did you yeah, guys just become best friends? Or? I think we did now. <laughs> My phone number is 650. <laughs> I already have your phone number. Oh, yeah. Don't <laughs> close the podcast today. <laughs> so, um, but that's, I mean, it's true. Like people just need to look. People are you know, have $4 in the bank and they want to wholesale and they want to spend money on marketing or they want to flip houses in LA with 50 bucks and they have two kids, two dogs, three turtles, and they have a mortgage, you know, and a full-time job. And it's like, I don't know how you can flip houses in Los Angeles, even if you didn't have a full-time job and you had 30 grand in the bank. Like I don't still think right. it's going to be very difficult for you to make any good money to be able to live in LA to flip houses. So yep. First of all, you got to write down all the things that you have, like I just mentioned, and then go and look at and research and dive into every single way that you can invest in real estate. So wholesaling, flipping houses, um, apartment buildings, new construction, and write down and, you know, kind of just try to see with your resources, what strategy makes the most sense for you today with all of those constraints that you do have. And 
if you do that and, you know, apartment buildings, maybe your long-term goal, right? Long-term vision, but your budget and your time and your experience may not be fit to do that right now, uh, especially with your network too. So Perfect. what strategy makes the most amount of sense today with all of those constraints and one way or another, you can eventually pivot and get to where you're trying to go, but you got to get started now. And, you know, even if you're, you know, a huge wholesaler, you're going to start building up a network of people who have money. And then you're going to, you know, build a network of, of realtors, of property managers, of contractors, just by being in the business until you're be positioned well enough with your cash and time and experience and network to be able to go and do the apartment building syndicating or just buying apartment buildings by yourself. But you got to get started with what works right now because you're never going to get to apartment buildings by staying at your full-time job. I think our Ohio listeners need to uh, look at doing turnkey properties in Akron, Ohio. There you go. There you go. Because it didn't work for you, but if they're local, they might still have a shot. <laughs> yeah, they might. All right. I don't know if you're much of a book reader, but uh, a lot of uh, millionaires are book readers. What's uh, one book that you might have read lately? And if you haven't read one lately, what do you consider a must read for a real estate investor? Sure. So for a real estate investor, um, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, which you probably get every single time. Um, another one that I like is Multifamily Millions. Um, and then a third one, just about sales, because everything is goes back to sales and selling, whether it's selling to get investors, selling houses, selling to try to get wholesale deals, um, is a book by Ryan Serhant called Sell It Like Serhant. Um, he's a guy who's on um, the TV show in New York City, Million Dollar Listings yep. in New York. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yep. Um, so he wrote a book. It's really good about sales and and how he kind of built his business and scaled his business. And Multifamily Millions is uh, Dave Lindahl, who's a... Uh, yep. For the, we have a lot of local listeners in New England. He's from New England. So they, a lot of people know that name. Okay. Oh, nice. Awesome. Awesome. So we hope that everyone enjoyed this episode of the Cashflow Kings podcast with Antoine Martel. Antoine, we appreciate you coming on. Um, do you want to give yourself a shout out with your handle on Instagram? Sure. So Instagram is at Martel Antoine, M-A-R-T-E-L a-n-t-o-i-n-e feel free to dm me there's a bunch of free content on there as well i try to post every single day so feel free to dm me and see if i can help you in any way as well awesome so to our listeners in the meantime if you want to give us a follow on instagram or on facebook under the cashflow kings or check out our website at cashflowkings.com cheers to your success the Cashflow Kings podcast is for basic entertainment purposes only. We do not give official legal, tax, or investment advice. Each person should consult their own advisors prior to any, making any financial decisions.